everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Current Status. And it is 2016 and we are back uh, for another full exciting year. Uh, my name is Pumla Schmidt, also known as Exchange Goddess on the Twitters. And I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Teresa Miller. As Pumala mentioned, my name is Teresa Miller. And you can find me on Twitter at 24x7ITConnect. And super glad to be back this year. So Happy New Year, everyone. And uh, we have a special, exciting guest today, because <laughs> we always say special, and um, our guest is very, very special. It's the uh, storage alchemist, and um, he's got a new gig, and uh, maybe he can tell us a little bit about what's been happening lately in, in, in his storage world. Great. Thanks, Puma, and uh, Happy New Year to everyone. And you can find me on Twitter at um, S. Keniston. So, yeah, as Pumo said, I started a new gig at Infinidat. Super exciting. Um, running product management. Just yet, of course, another uh, big box storage company. But, but it goes even further than that. So while we sell, you know, a large, large storage uh, array, it's really all about uh, how to help clients, you know, basically disrupt, this, disrupt the industry and help clients be able to store more data in a smaller floor tile at less money so that they can get on with their competitive business advantages. Oh, well, you said some key words there. Disruptive. Mm -hmm. Disruptive. Disruptive. Yes. Big data. Wow. So um, this episode is pretty much about 2016 predictions. And one of the key words that you said was disruptive. And I predict that disruptive will be overly used again for the year 2016. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I think that that is kind of one of those key words, but I think you want disruptive in IT. I think it's important to keep innovation flowing. So um, disruptive is good, overused yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, there was an interesting article in the uh, Harvard Business Review for December talking about disruptive and disruptive innovation being an overused uh, term. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's, it's an interesting term. And we really need to kind of weigh what's disruptive versus what's revolutionary, what's sustaining, what's what's evolutionary. Um, I actually would, would go back and change and say that that Infinidat is revolutionary, right? We're still using a lot of the same technology capabilities, disk drives and that sort of thing, but we're packaging them in, in new ways with new underlying software and componentry to be able to do, you know, new things and drive that. I think, Pumla, you were talking about some of those great buzzwords like competitive advantage, right? <laughs> that's another key word that's going to be overly used. <laughs> Absolutely. The competitive advantage. Prediction number one, right? Competitive advantage and revolutionary, but uh, key buzzwords for 2016. Any any other ones, guys, that uh, we think uh, other than your typical cloud, big data, flash, flash, yes, flash. AFA has made its its term in the industry now. Yeah, it's just trying to think. You know. 2016 is going to be an interesting year, um, especially with, as of what, last month, um, NetApp purchased or has the intent to purchase SolidFire. So, I, I, you know, just with that purchase alone, I, I think um, the storage industry is, I think, in for a little shakeup, perhaps. Maybe disruptive, revolutionary things will come out. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And not even just storage on the server front. You've got the Dell EMC stuff from last year as well. So there's a lot of change coming. 
where's the competitive advantage is going to be the key word. So as a customer, and Teresa, you're a customer as well, um, you know, we're, we're going to look at the vendors and go, what's, you know, what's your advantage? Where's your competitive advantage? Tell me how you are better than XYZ. Exactly. What, what makes you better than them? Why should I buy you over this guy over here? Right. Why should I change what I've been doing in the past for these new revolutionary technologies? Especially if he's giving me 50% off. See, I think it's good. <laughs> you bring up a good point, Puma. It's, it, you know, you talk about cost and costs really driving a lot of the factors that are driving IT and business decisions. And Teresa, you know, you know a lot about this as well, be, being a consumer of these capabilities. One of the things I think what competitive advantage needs to evolve into is something more around the lines of a competitive business process. And when I say a competitive business process, I mean it's trying to drive deeper into competitive advantage. And a competitive business process is really made up of, in my opinion, right, things like not just the underlying infrastructure components that are faster, better, stronger, that sort of thing, but also the people that you have in place to be able to analyze the data that you have, to be able to process the data, you know, what, what tools do I need to process that data? And again, the human intelligence that can extract the, the information and say, okay, this has meaning to my business in, in X, Y, Z way. So I think an underlying capability of any technology should be able to suck the cost out of the infrastructure, but give it back to the business so that they can create a, a more competitive business process, driving new competitive business models that allow them to grow their business, right? It's really about them. It's not about the hardware folks trying to make things, trying, trying to extract more money from those components. I think I'm going to agree with you on that a little bit. It, 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 the business process is going to be huge because hardware... I mean, if we're speaking about hardware, hardware is hardware. You know, it, it's it's gonna work, um, but it's the process. You know, your your service agreements, um, all all those soft dollar items. I think that's what's going to kind of be the edge, um, and that's what's gonna win. Con you know, customers like myself, because you know we're looking at hardware, specific hardware, and we've got you know our dog and pony shows happening, but the biggest deciding factor for us is what's going to give us the best bang for a buck, but we're also looking at the business process, you know, their, their renewal, um, their maintenance renewals, the service contracts, things like that, how is their support, all those things um, is playing a huge role on which vendor we decide to go with, with hardware, because we're just saying, okay, hardware's hardware, you know, that they're all going to do their job, but at the end of the day, which one's going to give us the best service? Yeah, I would completely agree with um, what you just said as well, Pumala. You know, we just um, went through a big um, project where we were analyzing the various types of storage. You know, and I think one of the the things that was nice that a lot of the vendors did was let you actually bring their their storage platform in for a mm -hmm. trial. And you know, we let our we let our uh, users bang that around for a little while um, to see see what that performance outcome was, um, of course, looked at pricing. And then there's also the fact that you're looking at, at change. Do you, know, do you go with a, a converged or a hyper-converged uh, configuration, um, flash? Are we going to look at cloud? I mean, there are a lot of different um, aspects to be considering. 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've talked about this on different episodes as well. The users really don't care what's back there. They just want to do their jobs. Yep. So it's it's us as administrators that need to figure out what's what's best for those users and let them try it, kick the tires around, and and make a decision. But also, you know, how is your product going to make my life easier mm-hmm. as the admin or a, as the IT manager? Um, you know, just even upgrading the hardware. Let's say I need a, a controller upgrade or it's end of life. How, how do we transition from your next product line and, and how's, how's the process, um, you know, from the technical aspect to is there downtime and then what's the cost of that, of the upgrade? Do I have to buy a whole new appliance or am I just paying for maintenance renewals? Um, sort of like um, Microsoft and their, their um, software assurance. So you continue to pay on your insurance, your SA, and you're constantly getting new versions. Um, I, I'd really like to see storage vendors kind of take on that type of um, business process or, or that type of support where you purchase your hardware once, you continue to buy maintenance or support on it, and you're constantly getting refreshed. That would be cool. <laughs> or slick, um, you know, you just kind of go into that that license renewal, you know, the way Microsoft and some of the other vendors do, because now we don't have to worry constantly about that huge capital purchase um, every three or four years. We're just keeping up with our support. I think you're going to see maybe as a part of a prediction, Pumala, maybe uh, new um, hardware vendor business models that will come out that will kind of reflect what you're doing or what you're, exactly what you're talking about. Because I think I think those hardware vendors, they're, they're kind of stuck, right? It's really hard for them to be revolutionary with the, with the or, or disruptive with the product sets that they have given their install base and their need and desire to continuously make money. So EMC today, right, publicly traded company, they have, um, you know, they are beholden by the stockholders and they are beholden mm-hmm. to their existing customer base. Right, so it's their customers have an expectation of them to be able to do something uh, that is that kind of the next step in the products that they've already purchased. It's really hard for them to come out with something brand new and invest that money in, in new capabilities because the customers are looking for them to just advance their current product set. Right, so so how does that business model change in order for them to be able to compete? With some of the disruptive capabilities out there, right? They're going to have to change to uh, to accommodate a model, you know, not exactly like what you're talking about, but it wouldn't be surprised if people try toying around with those types of things. Um, there's already certain storage vendors that are already utilizing that type of business model already, and it and it's attracting you know customers. I I see it very appealing, um, especially looking at from a management side. Um, maybe on the infrastructure side, you might get a little, you know gun shy about it a little bit, uh, but definitely from a management side, like, wow, I, I don't have to invest capital constantly every few years. Yeah, I was just going to think about, you know, for the storage vendors listening. Yeah, I would agree. I was just going to say the same thing. Um, some of the storage vendors are doing that, and I, I do think it is attractive. Um, I think one of the biggest issues that I've seen, you know, over over the years with storage is without the proper, you know, design in place, um, updates can can actually you know cause outages, and you certainly do not want to be in that situation. So it kind of takes me back to 
you know, the hyper-converged conversation um, as a prediction, you know, I, I feel like that's going to keep growing. I feel like vendors in that space um, are, I think they're, they're getting it. Yeah, I think they're 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 going to grow more. I still don't think they're going to take over the world yet. That's my prediction. <laughs> I think there's going to be some good growth, though. Yeah, yeah def- definitely good growth, but they're not yeah. ready to take over the world yet. Yeah. But it's interesting, Teresa. You made it, you made a really good point, right? The end users don't care what their platform is. No, right? they don't no. care. So you have a competitive no. business process. Um, let's say prediction, right? That, that there's going to be more focus on that. And I think there's going to end up being more focus from an IT centric looking out, not a vendor centric looking in, but IT looking out on my SLAs. And that's going to drive, you know, this list of, of what everybody's predicting is going to be big in the future. So there's hyperconverged, there's um, uh, flash, there's, uh, you know, hybrid flash arrays, there's cloud, um, which one of those platforms wins? And I, I think, it, you know, we can predict why one would win over another, maybe technologically different reasons. But at the end of the day, it, it, it's going to be about the businesses trying to decide which one of those particular, call it a platform, gives me the best SLA for my particular application, um, you know, for the business that I'm running. Right? It won't necessarily be the technology. It'll be the SLA that can facilitate a good, a good, um, a good a- an application. That's another prediction. SLAs definitely is going to be huge. What is, you know, what's my uptime? Um, how can you ensure that I meet my SLAs? That's, you know, I know even my goals for this year is pretty much be up all the time. <laughs> Um, and I think everyone else is probably on, on the same lines there or have something similar. Um, there's been a lot of allergies in 2015, and I think 2016, everyone's striving to be um, better and improve their SLAs. Um, consumers, uh, users, they are less, I think they're less tolerant of allergies now because they're so accustomed to everything being up all the time. I think their tolerance level is low. Like, wow, we're in 2016, we should always be up. We should have hardware running all the time. We should never be down. And it's almost that, you know, mentality thinking, um, why am I out? You know, we spend billions of dollars on technology. You know, the systems should always be up. Yeah, I think in the cloud space too, the SLAs are are light. And I'm not convinced that, um, that cloud vendors and providers will will be working on that as hard as they should be. But I mean, I can be very honest that I, I have a very hard time recommending cloud-based products with you know, 99.9% uptimes. My stuff's gotta be running constantly. So I feel like that's actually more of a, a challenge um, to the, the cloud-based industry. Um, whether they act on it, I'm not convinced that that will happen this year, um, but cloud needs to get better SLAs. I think there's been a big uh, setting of an expectation, Pumla, back to some of, some of what you were talking about, about, about constant uptime mm-hmm. around the fact of, um, you know, a lot of user, a lot of your users of your technology also use something like Facebook. And I know as soon as I say this, well, some of your listeners are going to say, you know, find, find, you know, problems with, or outages that they've had, but name another company in the world that manages a billion mailboxes, right? You can send messages all around. And that's free. And I, I can't think of a time that I've gone to using it and it hasn't been available. It's not to say it's, it hasn't, 
but just when I've gone to use it, it hasn't been available. It's, it's always it's always available. My so Facebook is always up. That's what they're going to say. Yeah. I can always That's right. Facebook. Look, I'm, I'm posting something now on Facebook, but I can't get into my company email system or I can't get into this application at work. I can't print, but I can get in Facebook. Right. How acceptable is that? Right. That's not... Or I can get on Instagram. Yeah. No, they'll never say I can't get into Skype. <laughs> or or, I, or I, I can't. I cannot get into Skype because we know Skype has had its allergies. But yeah. you're you're right. Facebook is. I mean, rock solid. It, it's for the most part. Yeah, I've I've always been able to get on Facebook, and that is probably one of the most heavily used um, applications. And I say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that that's some you know that that's a consumer um, product that everyone uses. Mm-hmm. Same as Instagram, it's always up. So do you think there in, in two ways changing the expectations of IT? So let's say let's say you're the CIO of a major corporation. One, are they setting an expectation on what costs should be, and then are they setting an expectation on what availability should be at a particular price level? Right. So of course, if I'm if I'm Bank of America. I want that always on, always up, uptime, you know, uptime. And I also want it for as little as possible, right? Um, so how do, how do I develop that, right? How, how does, how do I as the IT, folks in IT say, okay, that's exactly what I want. Infinitely scalable, always on, on really inexpensive. And by the way, I mean, they've got hundreds of engineers with tons of brains and talents developing their own storage products internally. Can, can, uh, big organizations afford to be able to do that? What, you know, what's where's the middle ground? What, what's the answer? I think that would be a really good prediction for how do we find that? Wow, that's really good. I'm speechless so, now. Gauntlet <laughs> yes. thrown. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I think um, I think you're right, Steve. It's it, some of it's a budget balance. I think um, sometimes. So let's just take like a, a small to mid-level size organization. I know you you mentioned large, but I, I feel like the that it, this applies across the board. So sometimes it's about stepping back and and while you want to save money and make it affordable, you need to just step back and look at what maybe what you've budgeted in the past isn't enough um, for the future. You need to take a look at what it means to get that high availability um, and keep things always online. I know a lot of the systems I manage, they can't be down. So is your company going to put money into a DR site to keep it online? It might not, you know, you might, your main site might not be there. Um, I think it's about just stepping back and maybe not doing what you did in the past. You can always negotiate prices. Yep, and throw out the, this is how we've always done it. Yeah. that That's, I think those words are, are going to be key um, and probably overused in the sense where don't just say this is how we've always done it. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it's true, though. You know, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, to be innovative, you, you have to um, think differently a little bit and well, we could- change, change your thought process, you know. We, we could be a little bit risky and make a, make a prediction around, uh, I think a little bit of what you're talking about, Puma, is, is uh, talent, right? So, mm-hmm. there, you know, when I worked at IBM, a lot of folks have been there for a long time. It was the, the standard answer was, this is how we've always done it. But, but, you know, clearly we need to evolve. Clearly they need to evolve, right? And I agree with you. 
yes, small to mid-sized businesses, all, everyone, everyone included, right? They, they, they need to step away from, um, you know, this is, this is how it's always been. This is the status quo to, hey, let's be innovative a little bit. Let's try something interesting and, uh, and, and kind of shoot for the moon. Because quite frankly, especially in the SMB space, right, or, or in the medium-sized business space, if you're not competing effectively with, you know, the lowest of the, of the high-end customers, you're going to get driven out of the industry, right, mm-hmm. whatever your sector is. Exactly. Oh, yeah, d- d- definitely. Um, I guess going, going back to your initial thought there, will the consumers or the users drive um, our SLAs in, in um how we just do IT, and, and I think our users will. Their expect—they're going to set the expectations. Um, I know my users are already setting expectations for us. I mean, the words like, "Well, I can do this at home. Why can't I do it here?" And we're hearing more of it every day. Um, so I, I think what we do at home is really going to drive. IT business, or you know what what we do at work, because our our users are taken in into work, and and they 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 want that same experience. So it's regardless. I guess I'm going to use VMware's little logo here. Regardless of where you are, any device, you know, any app, it it, it should just work, and that that's how that's how users want it to be. You know, now at home, so. When they go to work, they want that same experience, regardless of where they're at. They just want to work. And you I, guys you know, both run big IT shops. How much of that is driven by security? <laughs> yeah, security. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And there's another prediction. Security is going to be huge. Uh, um, a lot, a lot is run determined by security. But at the same time, security. You know, I think there's got to be a balance. If we want to be innovative, we have to kind of balance security at the same time because they could be restrictive on what we're trying to do. So in my uh, space, uh, security is actually very aggressive. It's been a big deal um, to wrap wrap our arms arms around everything. Um, I came out of a 10-year run in healthcare IT, and I feel like healthcare needs to take security more seriously. Um, moving into um, a more regulated industry now, I, I'm, I'm glad to see security being taken as seriously as possible. There are so many different layers of, of protection um, in my current environment. It, it blows me away. So um, I think it depends on the company. It's only going I think yeah. only, security is only going to get tighter. Yeah. Um, I work in healthcare, and um, it's pretty tight now. And it, it's I won't say it's getting worse, um, but there's got, there's got to be a balance, though. I mean, you can't lock down the fort to the point where you can't even poke a door. You know, you, you can't even see a little light. Um, there's got to be a balance between protecting your enterprise and still allowing the users to work productively mm-hmm. and to get that same. Um, seamless, uh, productive experience across the board on any device, um, wherever they are, from from a mobility standpoint, and that's going to be a tough challenge for uh, security professionals because you got regulations you got to follow, um, you know, and but you've got users that that want to do pretty much anything they want. So how how do you balance that? And 
So that's my prediction. It's gonna, it's still gonna be huge, probably even bigger, and more, and more. Um, I guess, what do we call it? Um, hacks, breaks, people get finding out their SQL databases have been hacked and all that good stuff, and more <laughs> passwords, social security numbers released. Yeah, security. Well, I think it'll ongoing. I, I don't think it's limited to 2016. I, I think we're going to see security uh, be a big deal for years to come. That's my prediction. So you know what, Steve? What, so lately we've been hearing about all these hacks, and, and you know they're all over the news. But I keep thinking to myself, I think they've always been there. It's just they just seem bigger or more. Like there's more of them, maybe, because people are reporting it more. I don't know. I, I kind of have a feeling that it, these issues have always been there. It's just they haven't been so hot in, in the news or in the public's eye. I think if a company doesn't want, I mean, it, no company wants to expose it, right? So if you get hacked, you, you don't want to expose it. Full stop. Yeah. You want to find the breach, fix it, you know figure out the collateral damage and keep it under wraps. So I think you're right. It probably is, has happened, but I think in a lot of, uh, a lot of cases, um, it's probably the hackers making information public, right? When, when, yeah. when WikiLeaks posts it, you know, on, on wiki, on a wiki, right? Well, it can't be hidden. <laughs> so now I got to kind of talk about it and I got to talk about what am I going to do to fix it in order to, to get back the faith of either the consumer or the public or whomever, right? Well, one of the things that has changed is, and I'm not sure if it was state or federal, you have to disclose a breach if you are aware of it, and there's a certain period of time that that needs to be done in. So I'm not sure if that's state or, or like I said, federal, but I know that's changed in the last year or two. Um, so I wanted to mention that as well. Sure thing, anything else we're going to predict that's just going to shake the world up? Hmm. I think there's going to be more wine drank in 2016. <laughs> you know, I was actually shocked when I didn't see you with a glass of wine right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, so, sometimes we do have to take a break every so, so often. <laughs> we drink all the time. <laughs> more wine, more cheesecakes, more cakes. Um, more mergers and acquisitions. That's a given. Yeah. yeah, I think you know, the you mentioned industry, industry is going to get smaller, I have a feeling. Potentially okay, so, so predict, predict an acquisition. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, oh. that's... Oh, God. Um, let's predict one. Cisco buys storage vendor. Now, their whole Webtail thing, yeah, that one kind of... Mm, but uh, I could see them buying somebody up. I can see NetApp making another purchase, um, probably more in the hyperconverge arena. That's just you know, thrown out there. Who knows? But, All right, uh, let, let's let, let's let's talk about those two, right? And you also you already brought up NetApp anyway. So NetApp's <laughs> acquisition of SolidFire is their fourth attempt at Flash. Mm -hmm. right? So my prediction is NetApp isn't a company in the next five years, mm. and not because they're acquired because they just can't sustain it. Every time they've made a purchase, it hasn't worked. Well, I, I, see, I think they just got to get their shit together. But yeah. I, I, think, I think they're going to do one more attempt at a purchase, and it's going to be in the hyper-converged space, because they just bought Flash. Um, 
and they're going to try again. But I'm. Don't they already have a hyperconverged solution? Yeah, but I think they're going to buy another. I think they're going to buy a startup. So, so they, it took them ten years to integrate Spinnaker to get their hyperconverged story. Yet they're going to turn no, around and just, buy one. That's just my prediction. They're they're going to try. They're going to try, and um, 2016 will be a year of trying for them to come back. I'll make another prediction. All the rumors around Cisco buying a storage company go away. Cisco goes after Internet of Things, and they don't even worry about storage anymore. Storage is... Ooh, that's a good prediction. Yeah, that is a good one. They they already are act very active in the Internet yeah, of Things. they're very aggressive in the Internet of Things. I, I totally agree. I just mean get even bigger yeah. the, the amount of uh, capabilities IoT is going to have this year and mm -hmm. data and analytics and all that. Hmm. I think, well, well, the Internet of Things is obviously going to be big. I have to... I actually had to stop myself there a little bit. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I next year. I was going to disclose yeah. NDA stuff there. Oh, get, I don't get, think get next myself in trouble <laughs> with with certain family members. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the Internet of Things will explode, and we're going to see um, more capabilities, bigger, faster than we've seen to date, and we're and it's going to come from companies that we're least expecting it to come from. I think Internet of Things is a three to five year explosion. Yes, but we're going to see more of it. Yeah. And it's gonna come from companies that we're not really expecting. Um, we, we, we see, we don't think of them as technology companies. Sure. Uh, we do in a sense, but not huge. And I think this year, certain vendors are, it's going to be their breakout year in terms of Internet of Things. Um, and it's going to be bigger and faster. That's just my prediction. Um, we'll see what the uh, connector industry is going to do with that. It's going to be interesting. You're going to have the mm -hmm. Internet of Things that everybody, you know, all businesses want to be able to extract and do things like predictive analytics to figure out how to buy and sell more things to consumers. And then you're going to have this notion of big brother, right? And that intersection of, okay, there's so many devices out there and so many people know what I'm doing. I mean, I, I was reading there are over 7,000 open APIs that businesses can use to suck in data that part of those are all connected to IoT devices. I was on data.gov and, you know, they have 120,000 data sets they can give to you know free to, to businesses to be able to extract information like census and census information and that sort of thing it's pretty soon there's going to be a crossover where people go oh, i don't want that data out there right i don't want people to know that. well that's where the security conversation comes back yeah. into the picture that's where security needs needs to maintain its its hold it needs to be a big deal ongoing to make internet of things successful i think the internet of things is going to be um just part of our life at some point. I, I know in the industry that we're that I'm in, I mean, we're already looking, um, innovating ideas of how can we um, empower our consumers, and you know, and use technology to um, to help them improve their lives, their well-being. Um, you know, coming up with different applications, working with startups. Um, how can we better people's lives with technology? And again, that's that's Internet of Things. So. The, the explosion is going to happen. Yeah, when I was leaving um, healthcare last year, there was a lot of talk about um, even just having physicians see patients at home, yeah. giving them that equipment to do that. It would be, yeah. 
Well, this was a great conversation, guys, but um, it looks like our time is up, and we're going to have to wrap it up for the day, evening, afternoon, morning, whatever we want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to thank our guest, um, Steve, for joining us. Um, This was definitely uh, a, a very interesting conversation, and so why don't you come back at the end of the year, December 2016, and let's see what happened to our predictions and, and see if they came true or not. Would you be interested in coming back with us? Uh, I would love to, and uh, I just want to say to both you guys, thank you very much. I'm a big fan of Current Status. Watch every episode I can, and I think what you guys are doing and the stuff you guys talk about is really interesting, so keep it up. I love it, and I'll thank be back you. at the end of the year. Awesome. Glad you could join us, and thank you so much for joining us. And I predict we're going to be bigger and better in 2016. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again, Steve. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we are off for the day. See you guys. Bye. Bye.